Hello, good afternoon, good evening, and good morning for wherever you're watching or listening from. Welcome to episode five of Three Blokes and the Rugby League podcast. I am joined by Mr. Joss McVitie and Mrs. Jede Moss Goddard as we review round 13 of the NRL season and also recap the first round of the return fixtures in the Super League. We announced earlier on this week on social media that we have an up-and-coming exclusive interview with Wakefield Trinity stalwart Danny Kermond. This is something we are all very, very excited about being three homebred Wakefield Trinity fans. We hope you are very excited too. We will be bringing this interview to you later on this week. Just before we start today, we understand that there's a huge Lebanese community and contingency within Rugby League. They're a big part of the World Cup and they're a big part of the NRL setting with players such as Adam Dewey, Josh Mansur and Mitchell Moses taking part and Brad Fittler obviously previously being their coach. We just want to send our thoughts and prayers out to Lebanon and the Lebanese community after the devastation of what happened last week. On lighter news, lads, Jed, Joss, welcome back. Big week in the NRL this week. Um, who are your players of the week? Jed? Uh, for me, um, I think it's quite a straightforward one. I thought Kaelin Ponga was unbelievable. Uh, I will go into him in further detail a little bit later on. But yes, yeah, stats galore. Absolutely tall. Your beloved Tigers, Jamie, to absolute pieces. Unfortunately, Cowboys did lose again, but it makes me happy that both your teams lost also. So, yeah, Caelan Ponga, definitely my best player of the week this week. It's interesting that since we started this podcast, the Cowboys haven't won, so it's a nice little omen for that, actually. <laughs> Who's your man this week? Yeah, so obviously we all know I've got a bit of a thing for props, and the only place player of the week for me is Tokihaho from Sydney Roosters. 27 runs, 288 metres. And just to top it off, they like to slot in between sticks as well. So, what more can you ask from the work? And that's a perfect layoff to the first game. Josh, thank you very much. The Central Jillawarra Dragons losing to the Sydney Roosters 24 16 in the Thursday night game. Jed, nine first teamers out for the Roosters, including the Morris Twins, Boyd Cordner, Angus Crichton, Jared Warrior Hargreaves. The list goes on. But they still came up with a, a, a good, confident win. And as we mentioned before, COCR Taukeaho really was the man with the, the goods. Yeah, definitely. Well, as, as Josh just touched on there, 228 metres, 27 runs, two offloads, five tackle busts. He was pretty much involved in pretty much everything good that the Roosters did. Coming into this game with such an extensive injury list, I, I did think that I could see the Dragons maybe pinching the two points from the Roosters. And I thought... I, I can't really see which way it's going to go. And, and the game itself, it was quite even at, at points. I thought maybe the Dragons are going to get back into this. Looking at the stats, they were very even as well. Uh, but you've just felt that even with all these first-teamers out, that Roosters just had that little bit too much quality, that little bit too much structure and just that, yeah, that willingness to get the job done regardless of who they've brought in. And, uh, and as we saw, as it seems to be the case every week with the Roosters, no matter who goes out, they bring someone in. They get the job done, and that's what they did this week. Even though they've got this kind of litter of, of superstars with, you know, James Tedesco and Jake Friend and Boyd Cordner, over the years, the Roosters have been really good at producing these real workhorses and grinders in the team. Another one like Atalkiaho is, is a Mitch Orbison Jed. He celebrated his 300th NRL game, and obviously he's a one-man, uh, one-club man as well. How, how much impact does he have on the team and, do you reckon, the dressing rooms as well? I think he'll definitely be a big vocal voice behind the scenes. And when you look at players who've sort of gone under the radar for their whole careers, he's very unlucky, unlucky not to have had 
obviously that origin step up or any international appearances he's always sort of been a bit overlooked but what he does he does well and he, he let, you saw how much when he led the team out and obviously coming out you saw how much it meant to him and he got on the score sheet so quickly and, and you could see how much it meant to him to get that 300 appearance and that little bit of not that players play for recognition because obviously they don't they play for each other but it was nice to have a little bit of spotlight shone on him when it's sometimes being overlooked and I can't, I, I imagine that, that he won't be overlooked in the Roosters locker at all. They'll all appreciate how much effort he puts in and, and how hard he works for that team. And uh, that, that sort of the performance the Roosters put in, not really overly pretty, but just got the job done. That's pretty much Mitch Alberson summed up. Doesn't do anything expansive. He doesn't do anything that will catch your eye, but he does the job and he gets it done. I think as well he can play in about five different positions. We've probably seen him play wing, centre, second row. I think he can play a bit of six or loose forward as well. He's a real, real vital cog in that machine. You know, we say that phrase every single week, but it really is. And I've listened to a couple of interviews over the past couple of years and certain podcasts, and, and he seems to be this one player who's, who's just kind of a, almost like the godfather of that Roosters team. He's someone who will always put their arm around someone if they've had a bad game or give someone a talking to if they've been in a bit of trouble. And, that, and I imagine Trent Robinson is one of the first people that he will go to, is Mitch Orbison. He's, he's, a, he's a vital member. And I, and I can imagine he'll go straight into the coaching side of it as well because he seems that type of player. Real, real good player. And I'm, I'm glad he's reached a 300 game mark. Interestingly enough, I listened to um, the, the Channel 9 coverage with Andrew Johns and Phil Gould and, and, all, and so on. Mitch Orbison, out of the 40 members of the 300 club, Mitch Orbison is only one of three players to not reach representative status out of them 4,300 club members. I, I don't actually know the other two players. I, I probably should have had a look. Do you know, Jed? Yeah, one's John Sutton. John Sutton, yeah, yeah, makes, yeah fair enough. But you, you, another another player in the type of Alder, Mitch Orbison, that if, if someone told you that he didn't play in New South Wales, you'd kind of understand and maybe think, yeah, OK, there's been some better players in front of him. But by God, he's been, a, he's been a damn good player in his day and he's been a workhorse. And you know, you never know. There's still a couple of years left that he might be able to get a second row centre place for New South Wales too. So, someone who's, who's been touted for New South Wales in the past, Jed, looking at the St. George Illawarra Dragons backline is Ewan Aitken. And as well as his centre partner now, is Zach Lomax, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago and there's been a lot of talk in the media. Their backline's really coming into their own a bit more now, aren't they, since Shane Flanagan has taken over the attacking role? Yeah, they definitely are. And I think they're one of the uh, the few teams that, when we've seen the teams in the bottom half of the table, it always seems to be the forwards doing the job and the backs not really living up to it. And nothing against the St George forward pack. Obviously, they've got Vaughan, Frizzell, they've got some great forwards in that. But the backs seem to be the ones stepping up that little bit more. You've got Pereira, who's turning up consistent numbers every week. Aitken, I thought, was really, really good. He sort of seemed to, last season especially, dip off a little bit. He has had a few little niggly injuries that's kept him out for like three weeks here, four weeks there. But he's really getting that consistent game flow and churning up good numbers every week. 221 metres against a Roosters team, regardless of how many injuries, is a great performance. And he, he has really impressed me. But Zach Lomax, he just seems to be going from strength to strength every single week. I was looking at his stats and it's just phenomenal. He just gets so through much work. And he's, as we said, he's sort of got that little bit of swagger about him. And I was thinking, like, is he going to be an outsider to get into that New South Wales squad at the end of the season? Obviously, you've had Jimmy Maloney in the halves. But obviously, you've got Luke Carey, Nathan Cleary. Where's Jack White going to play? He played in the centres last year. But I think Zach Lomax, with the way that he's performing, is definitely going to be knocking on that door and roundabout there. And as you said in a couple of podcasts ago, Jamie, that he will definitely be an origin player um, sometime in the future, whether it be this season or next season. But it is coming because he is a very, very talented player. I think as well, New South Wales don't tend to use out-and-out centres. 
you know, they used Tom Trevojevic, Lachelle Mitchell, obviously, in the past is now playing fullback. I think it'd be interesting to know if he, if he can kind of stake his claim for that centre position. Just looking at the actual stats of this game, very high completion rate, 92% against 90%. But something did stand out to you, Jed, you mentioned, I know we've, we've spoke about in the past, but when these high kicks are going up, the Dragons seem to be almost letting the ball bounce first instead of taking it on the full. What, what's the actual advantage of taking the ball on the full as a fullback or a winger? When, as we all know, we've all played rugby, obviously, from quite a young age. And for anyone who's listening who might have not have done, you are always taught never let a rugby league ball bounce because it is so unpredictable. It's an unusual shape. You just don't let it bounce. So I can't understand why. I don't know whether Dufty was a little bit... I'm not going to say he's scared. He's not, but there was a little bit of apprehension there. And if you let it bounce, a bounce can do everything. A bounce in your favour could be a result of a try. They need to get that ball, catch it up on the foot, and then you're ready for your set, regardless of where you do it. You're not panicking that you're going to concede. You've got your set, set. you can compose yourself and obviously try and get a bit of that possession back. And it's not something that Mary will be looking to do, I think. So I'm unsure why they're doing it, but it's something they do need to change sharpish. Awesome, mate. Awesome game. If anyone didn't catch it as well, really worth watching. Joss, over to you. The second game of the weekend, the Manly Warringah Seagulls, 22, New Zealand Warriors, 26. They're just proving time and time again, mate. They're churning out these victories. Yeah, it's all come from a couple of weeks ago when they, uh, they got hammered by Sharks. week after they went and played Roosters, pushed them to eight points. The gutsy win last week and then again, they've gone again this week and been gutsy and got another win. They're starting to uh, get stuck in and generate some growth forward. I think it's, it's, it's kind of a weird correlation, but Ken Mamalo and um, David plus a two ago are arguably the two most on-form players scoring the most tries. And they've now started winning these games, mate. I don't know how much of an influence that has had on them, but you look at Patrick Herbert and George Jennings, who's coming from the Parramatta Reels, how much impact have they had on the team? Yeah, well, I think first thing we need to mention is uh, Patrick Herbert's try. He's a real Superman effort in horrific conditions. And I think that play alone from Herbert summarises their performance of the weekend. Just looking at them through numbers from the weekend, Herbert's in for 19 runs, 171 metres, and other side at park, Jennings is going for 16 for 179. Combined with Rogers to advise a check to 22 run for 228 metres, you, you kick starting your steps really, really well then. And in conditions like it was at the weekend, it's what you need because it's up your jumper rugby and you just need to grind out a bit, well, grind out a result. That Patrick Herbert tried, Joss, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's all, it was a cross-field kick where Patrick Herbert, as kind of like Joss said, he supermaned into it, caught it over the line and dived about five metres and scored a beautiful, almost like a swan dive try. Them type of tries, Josh, do you train for them in, in on the on you know your Wednesday nights and Thursday nights? Or is it just something that comes off the cuff? Well, for blokes like me, Jamie, it comes naturally. But <laughs> imagine they've, <laughs> they've got multiple opportunities to go over it. But that's just, that is just basic instinct. You know the ball's coming over, but it doesn't matter how many times you practice, you can't put yourself in a situation where weather's coming down like that. You, you, you're wet through... And you've still got to finish it. But it's not even just the, the finish. He's got to take it, think about where he's going. And like you said, he's still flying through the air. So that's, it's, it's some effort. I really, really, I, you know, we've mentioned over the previous weeks, we're never going to talk down the New Zealand Warriors. But I'm really happy that they are really coming into their own now. And someone who seems to be coming into their own a bit more, when he had a bit more success under Craig Bellamy at the Melbourne Storm, is Tohu Harris. And he really caught your eye this week. Yeah, um, he got into my team at week. I, I feel like... This is the best performance I've seen from Toho Harris in a long time. And I feel like, well, we'll see this weekend if he backs it up. But he, he's put his hand up there and said, look, I'll be this pack, this pack leader, this bloke who's going to be, got a bit of an older red on him now. 
like you say, he's been under Bellamy, he's been at Melbourne, so he knows what he's doing. But his stats, he just were really impressive. 214 metres. It's 21 more metres than Chaboyevich, who was top for Manly. But it's 60 more metres more than any other New Zealand forward. So he's turning up and he's grinding it out. And he's, if you, when you look around on the field, you both know yourself, you just need to see that bloke who's still having a go when he's tired. And for me, that's what Tavares has done this week. For anyone who's listening who isn't aware, Nathan Brown, the former Dragons and Newcastle Knights coach, is actually coming into the Warriors next season, along with Phil Gould, who's going to be coming in almost like a consultant-type role. Is Tohu Harris one of these blokes you look at to be a bit of a leader and almost a, a captain of your club? Uh, for me, yeah. And I think if if we do that, it, uh, it frees Roger to have either check up. He doesn't have to worry about everyone else. He can concentrate on his own game. And like, like you said, Harris has been there and he's done it with a storm. He, he knows what to do in big moments. He's not going to panic. And he just, he just seems to be that bloke that they've needed. And I think under Gus Gould and Nathan Brown, you've got two blokes there who are soft and it's going to be an easy place to go to. And I think Tohu Harris epitomises that. I really do. Talking about leaders and tough blokes on the field, mate, we, we spoke about Tom Trevojevic and his impact and influence on the Manly Seagulls over the years, but, you know, it doesn't go unnoticed that his brother and also with him in the New South Wales side is Jake Trevojevic, a world-class loose forward. He is truly indispensable to that Manly squad, isn't he? Yeah, I think I think Trevojevic, he just summarises everything you think about an origin forward. He's a bloke who can move ball about, but he just gets it done. He's, he's an hard bloke, he grafts hard. He loves his defence. And it, for me, that's what is the epitome of what Manly are under a Des Asler. They're a rough side. They get physical and they're in for it. But he can't do it himself. So he needs someone else to be standing up there with him. But again, he, he's thrown up good numbers this weekend. And to be doing it in a losing side again, it's, it's just what you want. I love, I love watching him play. You know, 193 metres, 22 runs. He's kind of your modern-day loose forward and... Really, when, when he was about, he was contesting with Sam Burgess and Jason Tamalolo for the best loose forward in the world. And for me, he probably, he's probably up there with, with the likes and, you know, James Fisher-Harris and, there's, you know, that, that type of player and Nathan Brown and Neil Finucane. And I think, for me, he's Australia's number 13 and he's world-class on his day, especially the same with his, with his brother Tom. Very quickly, Joss, it, you know, you mentioned a Des Hazler-type team and, and always looking for these type of performances. Yet Manly throw up nine incomplete sets and 11 errors here. What, what's going on with that? Why aren't they playing for Desi at the minute? Yeah, you wouldn't want to be a fly well in that changing room, would you? No, um, man. But I, 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 don't, I don't really know. It's these type of games where you look at where you would, nine times out of ten, say, they win by four points. It's a tight affair, but they get the win. And I don't know what what's missing at the minute. Maybe it's, you know, that too much reliance on Turbo out back or DCE's not getting to where he needs to be. But something's going to change, and I, I genuinely think this weekend. Well, I'm not sure they're going up against, but I'll be, be ready to watch a different Manly side this weekend coming. Excellent, mate. Thank you very much. Talking about teams who've been struggling, Jed. You know, we mentioned every single week, and, and Joss is wearing a, a Brisbane Broncos top at the minute. If anybody's just listening through our podcast platforms, they they, they performed a bit underwhelmingly again this week, losing 28-10 to the Sydney South Sydney Rabbits. Um, it seems to be in the past couple of weeks, Jed, that the team in general isn't exactly really lacking in effort, but more that individuals are standing up as opposed to a t- team collective. Yeah, and I think it, I definitely much do agree with that, Jamie. I think this performance was a backward step from last week's performance. Obviously, I think there was a lot more resilient, 
the, a lot more of a team effort and they, they really lacked that, that this week and it was back to how it was like three, four weeks ago when it's just individuals stepping up, such as Payne and Haas, obviously, which I will touch on a little bit later. And again, the forwards, like Boyd was excellent last week. And then this week, he just went a little bit missing again. And I think that just really sum, sums up Broncos season that it's just players, one or two players turning up, usually the forwards in the Broncos case and nothing really back of it. You'd have thought that a built on last week's performance, maybe try and push for it. Bunny's not looking that good, bit of hit and miss, but unfortunately it was back to the old Broncos that we've seen over the last month or so. I imagine this game as well for Anthony Seaboard is one that he always wants to win because obviously he swapped positions with Wayne Bennett with Bennett going the other way to the Bunnies and he won coach of the year at the Bunnies a couple of years ago and, and cut himself out of a big contract to take some big money up at Brisbane and, he, and he's gone and lost again to the old-timer but you know looking at the Bunnies a bit more in depth Jed there's someone who stands out he's probably asked for over a decade now and he really is the heartbeat for the South Sydney Rabbitohs Adam Reynolds is, is a world-class player a world-class playmaker and a world-class kicker yeah, definitely is, and he is. He, he is very much when you think of the bunnies, you think of Adam Reynolds. Obviously, you think of obviously that that red and green, and he's one of the first names that pops into your head, and he really does get stuck in. I think the partnership that he has with Walker, they work really well because they are two completely different types of halves. Um, Reynolds is more like you're organised, obviously getting you into your territory and where you need to be on your pitch, and Walker's more of like sort of like you're off the cuff kind of player. But yeah, he just gets stuck in. And you see, like last week when he went off injured uh, with uh, the head injury, I'm not sure if it was a HIA off, it was just maybe a neck injury. But you saw how they weren't the same team without him off the pitch. And they do seem to perform a lot better with him there. And it shows that he does signify everything the Bunnies are about and how much of a leader he is both on and off the pitch, Jamie. 102 points he's got this season, Jed. And I imagine he's got something very similar over the past 10 years. Is a real, real vital part of that team. And obviously, only one of three members still standing from that 2014 grand final victory. And I think the main thing, I know, I know we mention this every single week with different teams, he kicks goals and he rarely, very rarely misses. I think he's kicking at about 85, 86% conversion this year, which is just, it, it's so vital in, in picking up two points, four points, six points, when, when you think that you, you might not be able to get a try as well. Looking at someone who did get a try this week for the Brisbane Broncos and a world-class player and he's only he's so so young it's disgusting to even think about how young he is David Fafita made his first game back this year post lockdown how good is he how good can he be how good how good is he Jed it's unbelievable He's very, very good. He reminds me of an 18-year-old Jedi Moskodaf, if I'm truth be told. We've gone down slightly different paths, but yeah, I definitely see shades of myself in there. Mainly yeah, because... Is David Fafita away 18 still? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Mainly because before the game, uh, I, can't, I can't remember which commentator asked him what you're looking forward to, and he said running at halfbacks, and that's pretty much what I did for my whole career. Never run at the big guys, just run at halfbacks and try and get a break. You're running away from halfbacks. Yeah, but no, he, he, he was good. Um, you saw when he when he scored that try, he, he, he didn't really have anything about him. It was a straightforward run. He made the try for himself. You think coming off the off of the, all, the off-field things that have been surrounding him, coming back from injury, it was interesting to see how he was going to go. Was he going to let that go to his head? Was he going to have a quiet game? And although he, he wasn't the best player forward on the pitch, he definitely had a very good game and I expect him to improve on that week on week. But if you're Gold Coast Titans now... You must be rubbing your hands and thinking, boy, we're going to have a good team next year. I mean, he's a match winner. And we, we speak about world-class players. 
And I know with, there's probably on average at least one world-class player at every club, bar maybe, maybe the Tigers and the Titans and so on. But he's a world-class player and he's a match winner. If you're looking around at, at 12-10 with five minutes to go, he's your man who's going to run about 50 yards and score under the sticks for you. And, and they're very rare to come by. At his age, it's, it's an unbelievable talent to have. They're inundated with these at the minute. You know, you look at Katoni Stag, you look at Herbie Farnworth, and then you look at someone like Payne Haas, who, once again, we mention every single week, we, we could write an entire book on how good he's been. And he's only, I think he's 20, 21, Jed. Another 238 metres, 19 runs, five, five, uh, sorry, 50 tackles and three tackle breaks. He, 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 if he stays, he is the real future of Brisbane Broncos, isn't he? Yeah, you'd hope that Broncos would not make the same mistake that they've had with Fafita by not really securing him down sooner. And if I was them, I'm not sure what contract he's on at the moment, but I'd be wanting to get him tied down for a very long time because he is the future of that forward pack. He's, every week he's won along with like Carrigan, who did have a quiet week this week. But he churns up their numbers every week. And in, in a poor side to do that, that shows something that you've got something about you. And Broncos won't let that go. And just something that goes unmissing, like... When you're in the middle, it's such a tiring position. You're doing runs all the time, making tackles all the time. To make 238 metres and 50 tackles on its own is an extraordinary. But then at 96% tackle success, I mean, what more do you want from the players? Everything that you'd want is someone that you want next to you, thinking he's making them runs all the time. I'm not going to do this just for myself. I'm going to do that for him because he's busting a gut for this team and I don't want to be the one that's not. And those are the type of players that you want around you, inspiring your teammates. And it's just unfortunately that some of the other Broncos aren't really taking that lead that Payne Haas is setting. And I think it's the fact as well he plays 80 minutes week after week after week after week. I can't ever remember a time he comes off. He never has a rest. He never has a breather. And he's just got an unbelievable engine on him as well. A quick look at the stats of this game, Jed. 11 penalties conceded, 400 less running metres for Brisbane, 60 less kicking metres, and 43% possession is just not enough at all for to be winning games. You look at the next four games, they've got the Raiders, the Dragons, the Roosters, the Panthers. Looking at the Bulldogs, looking at the Titans, one word answer, yes or no, will the Brisbane Broncos be getting the wooden spoon this season? Bold, but yes. Superb, superb. Bold, bold but yes, I love it. Moving on to someone who potentially might be getting the wooden spoon, Joss, is the Canterbury Backstown Bulldogs. We've always kind of spoke about how much effort they're putting in and whatnot, but, you know, coming losing 41-10 to the Melbourne Storm this week, and it didn't really seem like they were ever in the party. They were 22-0 down in 24 minutes. Was it a professional performance from Melbourne or just a really poor outlook from the Bulldogs? Yeah, I think the, the most daunting thing about this is it's a Melbourne Storm team without your Cameron Smith or your Papanals and out back. Um, but it's just it's just a stereotypical Melbourne performance. It doesn't matter who's in front of them, they just managed to get it done. It sometimes don't get wrapped for not not being so flattering with the ball or so flary. But you look when Jerome uses booting downfield for Adokar to go up to them, race the length away and score. They just get it done. Monster goes off, and it, it's just like I know we keep mentioning Cogs in the team at Sydney, Jamie. But they're just now covering the team. They're just someone new rolls in and they get it done. Mate, we speak about that week on week in, in sides like the Storm and, and the Roosters. Go, go a bit more in-depth on what you mean by cogs in a machine. Like, How does it work so well for these teams and these coaches? Yeah, I think that the, the main thing you've got to look with Melbourne is they never seem to spend money on anyone. Or if they do, it's, it's quiet signings who they're going to better as a player. I think you've got to look for a prime example of that is Harry Grant over the Tigers at the minute. 
he's come through a Melbourne system. He's going back to Melbourne next season, but he's playing somewhere else. He's going absolutely. It was what he's saying. He's been he's been quality. But just Bellamy, he's got his methods. He's got his ways. We know he likes to wrestle, but to just they just all seem together and just. They must be so familiar with one another that like, it doesn't matter who's coming into the side. But just get done. Nico Hines, I know you're a big fan of Nico Hines, but he's a prime example at weekend. Pappenhausen, who's arguably been their best player this season, drops out. Hines comes in, he's kicking goals, he's returning ball, he's involved in tries. It's just, it's just like for like, wherever you look at it. You've got to look at the team. Folks like Justin Orlan, Pappenhausen, Adokar, Hughes, They've not been world beaters anywhere, but they've come in and now they're, they're consistently in top four year in, year out. And it's just, they just, just believe in themselves and they believe in your system that they've got in place there and willing to fight for each other. I think if we do get a 17th team in the NRL in the next couple of years, they need to look at this plan and this blueprint, what Melbourne Storm have worked at since the late 90s. You go into a brand new area, you set up a brand new system, you bring through your own players, you add a, you know, you add a bit of salt, you add a Adelphi Nukem from a Bulldogs or a Pappenhausen from the Tigers, but you build from within. And Craig Bellum has been there, I imagine, pushing 20 years now, and he's won premiership after premiership with his players, Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, Greg Inglis, Israel Folau, Dallas Johnson, Ryan Inchcliffe, all these players, you think of them and you think Melbourne. You don't think another club that they've signed yeah. in. They're, they're world-class players and it's just producing them. And I think they're at a stage now where they can maybe look at recruiting from all over the country because players look at Melbourne. It's like, I want to be there now. I want to be there. So I think it's the first 10 years that they must have worked so hard and it's, and it's just come to fruition. And... You know, behind Brisbane, behind Roosters, they're one of the most well-known clubs in the world, and it's 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 a delight to have them really, and it and it's great, and and uh, you can't help but just be flattered by them. Looking at looking at someone who who is performing a bit better for the Bulldogs than than the others is Nick Meaney. You mentioned him in the past, mate. He's 150 meters, 16 runs, three tackle breaks, and one line break, along with one offload. That's quite hard to do in a team that's really really struggling to bring it out from the back. Yeah, I just think that he shows his, uh, his willingness to work and not give up. You know, you're 50 points down against one of the best teams, if not the best team in the comp from last year. Um, and he's still turning up and he's still having a go. And you can't, I don't think you can coach that in someone and I don't think you can buy it. I think it tells you more about the bloke himself than, than anything else, really. You're just willing to get in and have a go. You know, there's just a bit of a lack in consistency, I think, the Bulldogs. We've mentioned it all, all year. And lack in consistency, lack in the quality. You've got 33 missed tackles and you can't do that at an NRL level. You get, you get, you get roasted for that at an amateur level, mate, won't you? Like, it's just not good enough. You can't be missing tackles. And especially against speedsters like Adol Carr, they're just going to rip you to shreds all day. Yeah, I think if you look at any other report of 33 missed tackles, the only time you're going to see that's in a touch tournament where me and Jed were playing on the same side at Park. <laughs> but you just you just can't afford to do it. You like you said you mentioned yourself. At amateur level teams will run through you with thirty three missed tackles. And when you're giving Munster, I know he went off. When you're giving a bloke like him or other cards, you mentioned only Nico Hines again. When you're giving them that much ball in that in, in territory where they were, you're going to score points. And you're not helping yourself by missing thirty three tackles. And I think that's a be a big concern looking at it for Trent Barrett. I think looking in, uh, in more into the statistics and something that was quite surprising with the 41-10 victory, Joss, a 69% completion for the Storm, 12 errors and eight penalties conceded. Is this just kind of a drop in the ocean because they're already up by 40 points or is this something they're kind of looking towards without Cam Smith? 
Yeah, I think so. Obviously, Monster went off as well. So you, you do lose that bit of uh, fluidity because your main nine's gone and then your six have gone. So you're jigging about and someone's somewhere else, someone's coming off someone else. But you've got to look, Brandon Smith at nine, he, he's pushing to beat Kiwi's hooker. You've got blokes around him who played outside world class players. So it's obviously you take your foot off gas a little bit when you're at five head and you know you're not going to be caught. But again, I, I don't think Bellamy would be really happy with that amount of errors. And, I think it's something, if, if, if they were against a better side, then they might have been punished a bit more. But I just think it's just a, it's just Melbourne, isn't it? Just make these many errors and then still get a big win. Talking about teams that should have got a big win, mate, the West Tigers. Jed, you know, I, I don't even want to spend five seconds on this, but we're going to have to spend at least six minutes. It absolutely bordering on embarrassment for me as a Tigers fan, if I'm honest. It was... It wasn't just a performance where we were lacking in certain areas. We, we just didn't even turn up. We didn't get off the bus. Newcastle looked really clinical with an astute signing like Blake Green. They looked a totally different side. Yeah, it, 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 were really, it were really strange to see because it's not as if like they've been faltering for, yeah, they didn't play the best, obviously, previously. But this is, it was a horrendous performance. It really was. I mean, I'm used to them by now being a Cowboys fan. We've had this week. But for you as a Tigers fan, it must have been quite a surprise. They, they just made everything so easy for the Knights. Like, there wasn't really anything good to speak about the Tigers' performance, unfortunately. They never got going, like you said. All the basics they didn't do. And uh, when Knights there, they must have been thinking, who are we playing here? Because this is just so easy. And it was just, yeah, just a really, really bad performance. And you could definitely, I know it's obviously not picking one player out or, or anything like that, but you really missed Harry Grant, you did. Both in attack and defensively, um, it showed how important he is to you. And is that a bigger concern as a Tigers fan that you've lost one player who's been there one season and the, 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 the seismic change in performance is just, it, it was crazy. So, yeah, it's worrying signs for the Tigers and I'm, I'm sure they'll come back stronger, obviously, in the incoming weeks. I agree. If, if your team is going to put up a performance like that just because it's lacking one player, I want it to be a Cameron Smith. I want it to be a Greg Inglis, a Billy Slater of the past, a JT, Jonathan Thurston. Not a player who's in his rookie year Who's, who's, who's kind of a backup hooker at another club. No, obviously, he's, he's a brilliant player and he's been arguably our player of the season, but that shouldn't affect anybody, especially in a team full of Benji Marshall, Luke Brooks, Chris Lawrence, Luciano Lelua, you know, it's David Nofaluma. We've got a good team. We've got a brilliant team. And looking at the stats, 65% completion with 15 errors. It's a, you know, it's a university-type performance that, you know, we, we've, we've been through that in the past, Jed, playing away at Teesside and the rain on, on a Wednesday afternoon. That's what that's the type of stats you're looking at for, for amateur players. And you can't be doing that at the NRL, similar to what we were talking about with the Melbourne Storm. It's embarrassing. And players like Caelan Ponga, they'll just repeat your shreds all day. And I know you've got about four pages of stats, mate, that you want to embarrass me with. So I'm just going to let you have, have the floor. Yeah, I did pick him as my player of the week for a reason. I'm just going to read his stats out now. Two tries. Two try assists, one offload, six tackle busts, three line breaks, two line break assists. What more do you want from a player? I know we said that about a few, but what could you actually want? Everything that... It's like Tigers went into it like, we want to make Caelan Pongo look like the best player that's ever existed. And they just, just let him walk around. He's got arguably the best step in the game. He's fast. He's got a very good rugby brain. And he just he just waltz through the defence at times. I mean, going back to the stats, Jamie, 65% and 15 errors compared to Newcastle's 89% and six errors. 
I would be very surprised if there's ever been a game in history with that stats where the team on the wrong end of the stats has ended up winning. Regardless of what the teams are, you're never going to do it. And when you're doing them stats against a team with a talented backline, such as obviously Kale and Ponga, you're going to get damaged all day long. And I want, I just one thing that I want to quiz you on, Jamie, with Marshall missing two tackles that did lead to tries. We've seen what the selection process has been like for the Tigers. Do you think that we'll see him dropped in the upcoming games as your thoughts as a fan? I won't be surprised at all. You know what Mags is like? He's absolutely cutthroat. I think what will will be on his side a bit is Billy Walters now. He's, he's, he's ruptured his ACL and MCL, which is up to a nine nine months off. So we don't have that lack. Sorry, we don't have that depth in the halfbacks now. But I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if next week we go with Brooks and Reynolds. I think Reynolds is available. I can't remember if he's suspended or not. Benji Benji's coming towards the back end of his career and everybody knows he is, but you, you can't be being put into size just because you're kind of a, a club legend and you, you produce this magic flick every now and again. And and especially at the NRL level, if he wants to do that, he needs to come over to Super League or go to Rugby Union and he needs to be picking up his performances a bit, mate. And, and just looking at a trio that you've really been impressed with who have been picking up the performances is Mitch Barnett, Jacob Saifiti, in particular David Clemmer. Yeah, I know. It's weird. We obviously touched on these these exact three last week, saying how they, they do, obviously, the basics right. They lay the platform. And it was demonstrated again perfectly. They all got big numbers. I think I think Saifiti might have got the least on 167. And if that's the least out of three, you know your forwards have done a good job for the day. Uh, but yeah, focusing on David Clemmer, he got four offloads. When you've got backs around you, I know we keep going back to Connor, but even Pierce obviously has a, got such a smart rugby brain. He can be able to pick out the wingers. You've got Bradman Best, you've got Heimel Hunt. They will damage you, especially from offloads. And I was looking, he's averaging 2.8 offloads a game. We'll round that up slightly. We'll call it three offloads a game. That's such an advantage to any team because it gets you immediately on the front foot. It catches the defence off guard. They get, they're getting more metres. You'll be able to get more possession, more territory, and it's such a damaging. And Clemmer demonstrated perfectly how this can be such a damaging uh, tactic with the players that he's got around him. One shining light for the Tigers, Jed. Young Asu Kapoa debuted. What, what impressed you about him? To come in for your debut in the NRL is going to be a, going to be a daunting task. I mean, I could only imagine. Um, I was scared to make my debut at East Moor, never mind for uh, West in the NRL. But to come in at such a young age to make 13 runs and 162 metres, that's that's a great effort. Like I'm sure most people would just come in and just be like, don't make any errors, don't make any mistakes, just do your jobs, do your basics. You don't have to be a world beater, just get through it and, and build on it for the future. But it seems like he didn't come in with that attitude. Regardless of the score, and he was like, I'm here, I want to do a job, I want to impress, I want to stake my claim. And what more could you ask for? 162 metres from 13 runs as a winger is a, is a great effort. Something that we don't see from a lot of distinguished wingers. And yeah, I was very pleased and he was probably one of the only maybe shining light that Tigers had. Yeah, thank you for that. I'm glad we got that over with. Anyway, we'll move on to next week when we've got the Doggies, which will be a, a, a watchable tie, I think, and very winnable for us, hopefully. Moving on from my pain, Josh, down to your pain. Um, the Raiders losing to the Penrith Panthers 28-12. A, very, a, a kind of spirited effort in a sense, but the Penrith Panthers coming in now for the eighth win in a row. I think they must be the neutral's favourite at the minute, mate. They're looking absolutely unbeatable. How, how good. Like, gen, like, how good. Genuinely, how good I'm looking. They, they play physical, they're hard, they defend, they belt you, they score points, they run past you, they come back, they laugh at you, they've got best seven in the league at minute, best nine in the league. They're absolutely destroying teams. And for me, I think this weekend's proved it as well. I think these are genuinely guaranteed a top four spot. 
definitely. I, def- I think they, I think they're close to being guaranteed the top top two spots. To be fair, they, I think the top four and maybe Canberra in fifth are most likely already in the playoffs. But they're, they're just looking absolutely unbeatable. And looking at the kind of re- the flip side of the coin, the Raiders looking a bit underwhelming, a bit slow, and a bit sluggish. Yeah, he, he, we mentioned it last. Uh, I think it was last week or week before. Where there was just a period of time where nothing seemed to be happening. We just going through the motions and going through the sets and it's a bit hard to watch at points because you just sat there and you're thinking, well, we're having a go, we're not bothered. But I don't know if it's because we're used to seeing Canberra play such an expansive style and having a dig. But you, you've got to give, I, I think Canberra couldn't play this weekend because Penrith didn't let them. And I think the way they, the, the Panthers defended against the uh, Canberra, it goes well for them. And I think the most alarming thing went first 10 minutes when Canberra had quite a fair bit of possession and probably most of well, the back kitchen sink at them. And there were no real cracks. So I think this sluggish dip we're in at the minute, especially during halfway, the halfway through point in the first half, it's a bit concerning at the minute. Someone who caused you a lot of problems, mate, was Api Corisau. He made 50, 56 tackles on top of everything he created in the tack. Is he the signing of the season so far? Yeah, especially we obviously having Grant going down now for a few weeks. I reckon Api Corisau's got it. Uh, He's got it stitched up. He's, he's the most informed hooker by a country mile. And I think you, when you look down any team list in 20 ties, if you had the choice of starting off the course out at nine, I don't think there'd be one coach who would turn around and say no at a minute. It, it's not just his defence and consistency. It's how he's hitting people. He, he's getting into blokes bigger than him and he's not scared to get off that line. And the energy he brings, because he, he's turning defence into attack and he's getting out. And even though he's not running at them and directly going, He's buying a few yards and drawing someone in and passing on. And then he's just bringing others into it around him. And his energy is just, his energy is what you need in the team. Looking at a bloke, Joss, on the Raiders team, well, I think you were putting your team of the week over on our Instagram page. Charles Nickel Clockstad, 257 metres from his comeback from his uh, compound dislocation of his finger, which was a, a pretty rancid injury, actually. How, how good does he go? And, and how well received should that performance be, especially from such a gruesome injury? I honestly think if Canberra had turned Penrith over this weekend, we'd have all been looking at CNK as player of the week. I really do. I think he's back. He's come back from the injury, as you said. He put some on Instagram midweek where he's got stitches in his finger, but the, he's still bent up. And he's, he's churned that out. He's took 30 balls in. And he's, t- he's not just took balls in and gone down. As you mentioned, he's made these yards. And you just feel for a bloke like him in a, in a side that's lost the game because he's, he's, there's nothing much more he can give. He's bagged two tries, yeah. One of them would have bit, <laughs> was a bit of a miss whether it were a try, but as a Canberra fan, I think it was the most previous try at weekend. But he's, he's made 97 metres more than anyone else this week. And that, that's, that's a massive stat in my eyes, especially in the game such as what it was like. Looking at you, know, you we mentioned that the, the Raiders looking a bit slow and a bit sluggish, mate. You, you, you mentioned to me earlier on in the week they've, they've travelled over fourteen thousand kilometres, you know, just just going to to these games in lockdown. Could, can that have some sort of effect? And are they looking a bit fatigued? Yeah, I, I think so. It's especially when you're flying into places and flying out same day. You know, it's turnaround. I struggle to walk over the field to go to train. Never mind have to travel that far. <laughs> It's going to start to have an effect on the body, and especially when you've got blokes who are carrying little niggles and stuff. It's going to get, it's going to take its toll. And I, obviously, I think when you lose Hodgson, you know you, you try to bring someone into cover, but you're trying to get bodies onto a plane to travel and then come back and then back it up in a couple of days' time. 
But you know, he, Ricky Stewart won't want to blame his performance on that. So I think, well, <laughs> they've only got to play a big Brisbane pack at weekend. So we'll, we'll, we'll be able to see because obviously they're back at GIO this week. So we'll see if uh, if the travel does explain anything, mate, or whether it is just a fatigue going up on them. Yes or no, Josh Penrith Panthers for the minor premiers? No. Oh, lovely. Love it. Love a bit of boldness because I know Jed thinks they will. So we'll, uh, maybe that's a, a discussion topic for another podcast. But moving on from our misery now, moving on to Jed's continued misery as a North Queensland Cowboys fan. 30 points to 10 loss to the Queensland natives, Gold Coast Titans. Jed, your boys are absolutely awful, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were. Uh... We were really bad. Taking off and away from the Titans, they've been building for a few weeks now, but yeah, we were. We were really, really bad. I've just got two little stats that might quite surprise you. Um, how many people do you reckon at round 13 would have put Gold Coast to be the highest placed Queensland team in the ladder? How many people in terms of like a percentage? Or... Yeah, because I reckon it had been 0%. I don't yeah, think anyone... Not many. Not many yeah. at all. And another stat we, that to kind of show you how big of a a loss mentally this will be for the for the Cowboys. This was the first time Gold Coast have beat us since August 2014. Cowboys had registered 10 wins in a row against the Titans. Uh, and that performance, uh, with that, it, it, I think it'll be really damaging for morale-wise morale mentally. We had we were expecting... I mean, Tamalola went well. Say that every week. Doesn't matter who we play, it does. But with Morgan coming back into the, into the side, it, it's going to stay a while. He showed how rusty he is. Seven missed tackles and four errors. Anyone who knows Michael Morgan know that's very uncharacteristic. It's going to take a while for him to get back into the swing of things. But take nothing away from Titans. They were really, really good. And they're doing well. And good things under Holbrook. Yeah, as you say, Justin Holbrook, we've mentioned the past couple of weeks how well he, he used to go at the Roosters in the reserve grade, moving over to St. Helens. And his, his style of football is really coming through at the Titans now. And, and someone who seems to be kind of getting all this from him is AJ Brimson and someone who you, you love watching him play. Yeah, I do. He'd been out for a while with injuries, but come back and you, you, you wouldn't know it. When he burst onto the scene, and I think first time I remember noticing him, I think he did a kick, kick through, kicked again, and then ended up scoring. And he's done a few things like that. He's quite an off-the-cuff kind of player. Uh, but he went really well. 207 metres, four tackle bre uh, breaks, two tries and an assist. Coming back from injury, that's what you want. And he really suits this style of play that they are playing. They're playing quite attractive football they are to be honest to say that they're languishing towards the bottom the style of football they're playing it doesn't really warrant that position they started churning up they came up short a couple of weeks ago uh, and they're the building each week and now they're starting to put a performance and as much as obviously I wanted Cowboys to win it is nice to see the Titans pick up a win that they've probably deserved for the last few weeks but have just come up against sides with that better quality but they really put the Cowboys to the sword and, and AJ Brimson led that attack I think most importantly, Jed, AJ Brimson is the most Gold Coast rugby league sounding name ever. So I'm really glad he's coming in uh, into some form now as well. Looking at two blokes who Joss loves on, on the other hand, and he's mentioned over the past couple of weeks, his mates in the number eight shirt. <laughs> uh, Fotowaka and Kevin Proctor were improving week on week on week and really leading this Titan side to another win. Yeah, definitely. I think we all saw the article that said uh, the Gold Titans prop that's gone under the radar and how is it possible with his stats. I, I think Josh should be putting in some uh, some claims or some royalties or something somewhere because he called it about five, six weeks ago. So well on you, mate. But yeah, went well again. 190 metres, free tackle breaks. He just continuously churns it out. And how exciting is that Titans pack going to be next week with all these players coming in? And they've got players like this already there. 
Kevin Proctor, well, it, it was a real throwback. I haven't seen him play this way, this well in a long, long time. Is a try assist where he flicked it back, it, sort of like Greg English style, and one try, two try assists, four tackle breaks. It, it, it was excellent, and it, with the captaincy, he really led that Titans team and. That, that pack, they were just excellent. All the pack did well. Arrow went well. Brian Kelly in the centres went well, making large metres. Joel Effie went well. Everybody just really performed, but that pack and the whole team. If I was a Titans fan, I'd be really excited of what potentially could happen the rest of the season to build on for next season with all these players coming in. I think as well, I'm going to make it a bit of a hashtag on our Instagram. We really want to get Fotowaka on this show just to kind of show him how much Joss actually loves him and we'll try and get a signed shirt for, for Joss to wear as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll do like a hashtag get, get a photo arker on three blokes and we'll try and get it trending to get him on the show as well. That's definitely something we want to look at now. Jed, Jed you, you very briefly mentioned it, but Michael Morgan coming back in, I, I, I was looking at this round of rugby league in the NRL and I thought there's a couple of upsets to what could happen here. Yeah, I thought the Sharks could roll over the Eels. I thought the Dragons could do the Roosters. And I thought the Warriors could do manly. But one game I didn't think would be with the Titans over the Cowboys. And, and primarily because I, because Morgan was coming back. You've got Tamalolo. Maguire's back in form. Kyle Phelps doing wonders on the wing. Where, where do you go from here when you've actually got all your star men back? You're looking a bit more full strength now, apart from Valentine Holmes. But you're still, your completion rate is 68%. You're 600 metres less than the Titans. 60 less runs. 35 missed tackles and 15 errors. Where, where on earth do you go from here? I feel like the Cowboys have really benefited from how bad the Broncos have been this season because they are the bigger club and so used to success. People have been focusing on how bad they've been. But we have been just as bad and we look deflated. We look like we don't know what to do. There's only very few, there's like a few players, your Feltz, your Tamalolos, who are turning up week in, week out, making good performances. And then you've got a handful of players who turn up week, some weeks, don't turn up some other weeks. And then other players who don't even know the competition's restarted. And I know that sounds really harsh, but obviously I am coming from a fan point of view and I don't want to criticise, but obviously nobody wants to see the team losing. And losing in the way that we did, it was... I feel obviously, Liam, you must have felt this week with the Tigers. Like We just offered absolutely nothing. And I honestly don't know where they're going. I know Josh Hanna said he was really frustrated with the performance. We don't know who we're going to get in as a coach. The defence was really poor. I can't remember who it was, but there was like four players around them. I thought it might have been Proctors. But he just still scored, and that shouldn't be happening no matter what level you're at. If you're an amateur under eight, if you've got four players around you, you should not be scoring. And yeah, I don't know where we go. I'm not paid to do that, but I want, I want to see big, big improvements soon. Moving on to what was the last game of the NRL weekend, Joss, and arguably potentially the, the game of the weekend, the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks 12 against the Panamata Eels 14. Eels squeeze out another win against an enthusiastic Sharks team, mate, but is squeezing out these wins good enough? What a game of water polo this turned into. No, <laughs> it's good teams been ugly, I think, and you can blow teams off park, but you can only play what's in front of you and get a result against what's in front of you. And yet again, Parra have done it. And I know we mentioned conditions earlier on, but this was, wow, it was, it was wet. But, you know, we're saying good teams win ugly, but the Sharks seem to be getting better. And Sean Johnson's been a bit patchy here and there, but he, he's looking he's looking real good. And I think, obviously, I think it's a bit too late for him to push. But if they start like this, they could have caused some real issues for teams. The Sharks are always one of the awkward teams to play against. I know there's this, this kind of curse of going down to Shark Park. I know it's not even open at the minute and they're playing at a Jubilee, but the Sharks just seem to 
generate this type of awkwardness that will turn other big teams. They've been the Melbourne Storm's bogey team for years, and I don't know how they continue to do it when a, a coach leaves or players leave, but they've just got this aura as a club, and I don't know what it is. Looking at the, the two packs this week, mate, we, we've, we've mentioned a lot of these names over the past couple of weeks. Um, Nathan Brown against Toby Rudolph, RCG against Hamlin Newelli. That There was some real, real good watch there if you're into your forwards. Yeah, it's just big blokes in big packs. It's each other very hard with big splashes on ground, and that's what you want to see, especially especially when you you want to find out the credential of the pallet to see if they're going to go the distance. You want some big blokes like Rudolph belting them about and seeing what they've got. And you know, Parra got it done, they showed up. But again, we, we talk about him pretty much week in, week out. I know we talk about Paolo and RCG as well, but Nathan Brown, mate, he, he takes some hammer and he just gets up and goes again. And for me, the pack, the pack won in the game this weekend. Good stuff. I think someone who does catch your eye, the Cronulla Sharks, is Ronaldo Molitalo. He got another two tries this week. Is another example of these young, hungry shark players that are coming through this kind of youth system that they're producing, like um, Britton Nakar and Braden Hamlin Newelli, Toby Rudolph, Royce Hunt. And he got, he's got 111 metres average this season, four tries and two tries from seven games. He's, he's one of these really good whiz kid talents on the wing. Yeah, and I think that's uh, exemplified by how he, I think, I don't know if it's his first or the second, what it takes a weekend where it bounces and he manages to control his body and retake it in the finishing corner and it, we mentioned it earlier on and I'll keep going back to it but in them conditions man, that, that's really impressive And but again he's he's one of them players who was getting more of a chance because of how the Sharks have travelled so far and he's taking it with both hands he, he, he's just turning up and he's pulling off special moments like he has done at weekend but he's, again it's the hard work that he's doing through the middle as you mentioned average 111 he's getting in he's getting involved he's not the, he's not the biggest of works but he's coming in and he's getting through his work. And that, you know, all he can do is grow from the confidence he's gaining. Sharks just seem to be out to be proving a point at the minute. I, I know at the start of the season, we, we have our own separate prediction contest. And I think I put the Sharks in the bottom three. And I'm sure a couple of pundits did as well when they've lost Paul Gallon and they've got kind of this veteran crew of, of Woods, Moylan, Dugan, who are kind of at the back end of their careers. And they've got these real young talents that aren't really, didn't seem to be producing. But I think they'll finish in the top eight now. And I think there may be a dark horse to even reach the semi-finals. They've got this awkwardness and I'm putting my hand up and it's a bold call. But I think if you're looking for a dark horse, it's the Sharks. Someone who, who hasn't been a dark horse over the years, mate, Blake Ferguson. He's been an outstanding winger, a world-class representative footballer. 11 games this season and no tries. Is that something they should be worrying about? Uh, it's a bit of a tricky one because at some point you're going to start to think I need a winger to be scoring tries. But... You've got to think, even though he's not scoring, he's doing other things. He's a big body coming back at blokes who's tired. He took 129 metres this week. When if you look at the two weeks before, he's broke 150 both weeks, which, you know, might not seem a lot for him, but he's still coming and he's still showing up. So he's... When Mike, when Mike Seaver was on the other side of the field, he's scoring the tries. I don't think it's massively anything to worry about at the minute because they're still getting the results. But I, I don't think someone like Ferguson will be bothered, you know, as well. He's a bit of a joker, so I reckon he'll take it in his stride and make a big deal out of it when he scores. You watch, he'll do some I mint mean, this weekend, run around 17 blocks and go put it in corner with one hand. So <laughs> he's just he's just he's just that level of quality, mate. Yeah, I think he's a, he's a world class talent. He's a world class bloke. He seems like when he's on like the uh, the Matty Johns show or anything like that as well. He seems a really good bloke. I just think it might just bruise his ego a bit if he goes through an entire season with no tries. But 
I guess I guess you'd become a winger to score tries, but if you if you reach in a premiership, I guess it doesn't really matter as well. Um thank you for everybody that has listened to that round thirteen review of the NRL. We'll just run through the next week's games because there's some absolute corkers, mate. Listening the Thursday night game, the Sydney Roosters against the Melbourne Storm. As Josh likes to say, the two co- the two cogs in the machine going up against each other there. I think without Cam Smith, that could be a, a rough a rough do for the Melbourne Storm. The New Zealand Warriors against the Penrith Panthers. Can they do the underdog, underdog type of performance again against the top of the table? Parramatta Reels against the St. George Illawarra Dragons. A real tough fixture again for Brad Arthur's side. The Cronulla Sutherland Sharks against the Gold Coast Titans. The North Queensland Cowboys losing again to the South Sydney Rabbitos. <laughs> <laughs> the Canberra Raiders against the Brisbane Broncos. The Newcastle Knights against the Manly Warringah Seagulls. And the greatest team in the history of rugby league, the West Tigers, against the Tank Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. Moving on very briefly, lads, we're going to quickly recap the Super League. We're very NRL based in this show, but we're all three Wakefield blokes, and we do want to cover the Super League very briefly. And it was a return to action for the entire weekend of Super League, all played at the Emerald Headingley Stadium. Castleford Tigers going down 40 points to 14 to the Catalan Dragons in what, to me, I thought was quite a surprising victory looking at the Catalans' performance last week. Warrington Wolves 40, Hull KR 10, which is probably more expected from their quality side. Sulphur Red Devils 54 against Hull FC 18, which I know Hull FC have been struggling in the past year to 18 months, but that's a real poor performance from Andy Last's team. Our mighty Wakefield Trinity coming up one point short, 22-23 to the Wigan Warriors. And the final game of the weekend, Leeds Rhinos having their first nilled home game since 1992, which was coincidentally against Wakefield Trinity, losing 48-0 to St. Helens. Lads, very quickly, who, who were, Jed, over to you first. Who was it, a couple of blokes who stood out for you in the Super League this weekend? Uh, I've got a few. I thought you can't really look past Regan Grace. I thought it's probably one of the best hat tricks I've seen. Each try was excellent, but I thought his running game was really good. Looking over to Salford, who I think had the most complete performance, I was very impressed. But a team that we all predicted to be in, I think, the bottom two or the three, to turn a performance like that was very impressive. But I thought Niall Evolds was excellent. It was really, really good. I thought Zachar Dacre went against us really well. And I'll give a shout out to Tommy Johnston for his air. Johnston finishing the corner as well. I thought he played well despite that elbow injury quite early on in the game. Air Johnston, I like it. Um, you've not left many names there for Joss, but Joss, who, who <laughs> got your eye? Well, luckily, Jamie, I've got a better eye than Jed, so. Um, <laughs> my initial performance was Tom Davis for Callum. Uh, but he got two tries, but I know we'll talk about from NRL wingers returning ball back. It was wrecking tackles, mate. Like there were no tomorrow. Now, I know the Castleford performance wasn't overly good, but he's not the biggest of blokes. And he was running through and wrecking and going really well. And my second performance, because obviously I haven't been left many by Jed, uh, was Chris Atkin from Salford, uh, playing in the half and filling in for Brown. Now, he was only there to fill in for Brown, and I actually think he outperformed what Brown would have probably done at the weekend. He scored a good try, but it's, it were around the ball. Obviously, he's not. We know he's he's not afraid to get stuck in in defence, but he looks really he looks really good with the ball in hand. And I think if well, it's going to be a bit of an edict for Ian Watson when Kevin Brown is back. Yeah, someone who caught my eye. I'm going to probably say end up saying this every week just because I've watched St. Ellen's back to back. But James Bentley is an outstanding second rower. He's a young Bradford lad. He really seems to be in the same mould as John Bateman. He scores tries. He runs hard. He's a bit of a grub. He don't care who he plays against. And I think in the St. Ellen's team, around players such as Alex Wormsley, 
and especially now James Graham, who has played every single level, I think he'll be one for the future. And I'm going to put my hand up once again, make a ball claim that he will play on RL one day. Okay, so very briefly looking at next week's fixtures, all being played at the Totally Wicked Stadium over in St. Helens. Huddersfield Giants go up against the Warrington Wolves. Salford Red Devils against the Catalan Dragons. Wigan Warriors against the Leeds Rhinos. St. Helens against Wakefield Trinity, which is going to be a very tough fixture for us indeed. And Hull SC against the Catalan... Uh, sorry, Hull SC against Castleford Tigers. Thank you very much for everybody that has listened to episode five of Three Blokes and the Rugby League podcast. We are available on all social media platforms and all podcasting platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Comment, share, subscribe, do as much as you can if you're impressed. Come and slate us if you want. Call Jed, all the names under the sun, if you wish for his... <laughs> I, won't say, I won't say what I'm going to say, actually. Um, join us later on in the week. We're about to record a very exclusive and very exciting interview with Wakefield Trinity's Danny Kermond. Thank you for listening and we'll see you down the road.